This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, good morning and welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm really good. I'm you, really good. You're yeah. in Guelph. You've just done one of your famous productions, Tom yeah. Thompson's Wake. Yeah, we were at the uh, River Run Center last night to a beautiful, beautiful house, and it was oh, a great show and a great facility. Yep. And Guelph is the best. It's kind of the center of my universe, just so well, you know. Yeah, and I didn't realize that, but of course, you you live there. Six years. Six years I went to the University of Guelph. It just changed my world, changed my life. It's uh, very fond memories. Um, today, I'm off to Ennismore. The uh, District 4 of the Ontario Horticultural Association is having a big district meeting, and I'll be there after lunch speaker about 1 p.m. this afternoon. My topic is sexy soil. Nice. I want to be there. <laughs> 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 I have I have a quick comment. I have to tell you that we had I had a couple of people leaving the show yesterday who said, "Oh, we listen to you on Saturday mornings with Charlie." Great. So yeah, so you That's got you know great. listeners in Guelph, and uh, also I just wanted to know, did you have any favorite haunts in uh, Guelph when you lived here? Lots, but I don't know if they still exist. I mean, I worked on campus quite a bit. I worked at the Bullring, which was an old Bullring, which turned into a student pub. So it was okay. a round brick building with the dance floor in the center. I was a bartender there for quite a period of, you know, probably a year and a half, two years. And yep. uh, yeah, I was a roadie for the uh, when all the bands came to campus. So I was, you know, serving beers to uh, famous, you know, famous musicians. Carol nice. Pope as an example. Woohoo! <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, okay. Listen. Since I have them right in front of me, I should uh, do it. Yeah. I should give out these numbers, right? Um, <laughs> As for Ashley. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you, uh, we would love for you to give us a call with a gardening question. Can be an indoor question. Can be an outdoor question. Four one six three six zero. 0740 is the Toronto number, or if you live in Guelph or anywhere else in the province outside of Toronto, you want to use this number, 1-866-740-4740. And two, do let Ashy know who it's his, it's her birthday today, Ashy's yeah. birthday today. Let, let Ashy know, you have to do what, you have to say happy birthday to Ashy, and you have to let her know if you're a first time caller, and then I will give you your garden wings, okay? Sweet. We want you to call often, call early, and one question per call, please. Uh, before I go to break, Charlie, do you have a quick announcement, or are we good to go? Uh, we're good to go. I just wanted to say Paul Oliver was on the show with me last week. You took a break. And, yep. uh, boy, he enjoyed running, ringing the bells. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he was. Nice. We had quite a few first-time callers. He was just grinning from ear to ear. Excellent. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm grinning as well. I'm looking forward to the rest of the show. We will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
Yes, indeed. We are back here on The Garden Show. And, uh, Charlie, we're going to go to our first caller. We have Lynn on the line, and she's calling from Mississauga. Welcome to The Garden Show, Lynn. Oh, hi there, uh, Charlie and Dean. Uh, I have, uh, <laughs> I have uh, a problem with uh, a hyacinth bulb. Okay, I bought them in a pot at the grocery store in the in the spring, and they were quite lovely. It's about a 8-inch uh, green plastic pot, and I let them die down in the pot and then cut <laughs> off the brown things and set it in the corner uh, with the idea I would plant these uh, bulbs in, uh, at this time of year in the garden. Anyway, when I went to look at them to plant them in the garden, they have little green tips sticking up about a quarter inch tall and I, I think that that I, I thought they'd be fine in the pot but obviously mm. I should have dug them up I think eh? yeah I wouldn't worry too much just get them in the ground sooner than later and don't worry about um, burying those little green tips uh, right now it's just it's in the environment that makes them grow so yeah. environmentally they think it's probably time to grow but they haven't had winter yet so if they do start growing you're just going to get a bunch of leaves so for now get them into the ground get them down deep enough you know at least four or five inches deep and uh obviously a full sun location uh well-drained soil and they'll just go right back to sleep Oh, good. I was thinking I would have to bring them in the house now and that they would, you know, but you're saying they would just produce leaves because it hasn't really been that cold they, enough. They need winter. They need at least 12, wink, 12 weeks of okay. cool temperatures, cool like refrigerator yeah. temperature. So that oh. sometimes we will force bulbs ourselves for blooming indoors by sure. using our refrigerator mm -hmm. as our winter location. But uh, but that you know you haven't done that. It's been summer, it's been warm. So you're just getting the fact that they've just started to grow is because they think somehow it's time to get going. But tell yeah, them to I go was, back to okay. sleep. Put them, I was worried if I planted them that they'd die because they had started to grow. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. so you're you're saying it would be okay to plant them now with yeah. these green tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd get them going. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're I'm welcome. Thanks yeah. for calling. Yeah. Thanks for the the tip, Lynn. Um, it, this is a time of year we should be planting our bulbs now, right? Are we running out of time? Oh, the only thing that's going to stop us from planting bulbs is when the ground freezes. Okay. So we have time, but it's certainly going to get a lot cooler there in southern Ontario. We have a, fro a real frost warning tomorrow night, right across yeah, you know the GTA, etc. So that's just—I mean, there's nothing stopping us from getting out and planting bulbs when it's you know zero degrees. It's just not as comfortable as when it's ten or twelve or fifteen. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I started planting. Uh, I planted a bunch. I just received my big. Um, order of bulbs. So I started planting um, tulips this past week. And of course, I actually had some work done in my garden. I hired a contractor to put a retaining wall in where I had an issue with myself and my neighbors change in elevation and I was my garden was just way too sloped there so now I've got quite the massive retaining wall not too tall it's only 18 inches tall but it's like 40 feet long so I've just gained a whole bunch of gardens so I'll be getting more more my garlic will go in there I just need a little more soil and uh, some other bulbs for sure daffodils will go in there as well oh Elliot's gonna love that more garden <laughs> <laughs> I know. Last one, though. I'm gonna I'm gonna send him a card. <laughs> okay, let's go to our next caller. We have Zoe on the line. She's calling from Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Zoe. Oh, good morning. Yes, I have a, a cedars that are planted in barrels, 
And uh, they're only a, I've had them for a couple of years, and everything looked hunky-dory. But this year, I just noticed last week, uh, at the, where the stem is going up like the four or five feet, uh, the, the foliage, all the green leaves, they're all turning brown. They're just dropping off. Um, okay. I'm just and wondering, is this normal uh, uh, because they're getting uh, a couple of years older and it's autumn, or have I got a problem here? So that brown foliage that you're seeing, that's in, like you say, on that center stem. So that's not on the outside of the plant, but on the inside of the plant. Am I right? Yes, right. Yes. Yeah. So nothing, nothing wrong there. It's absolutely normal. We call them evergreens, but they're not really green forever. The the um, foliage, the leaves, what on cedars and any evergreens last for approximately three years. So what oh. you're seeing is three year gold, three years old foliage dying and new stuff uh-huh. is growing outside of that on the outside of the plant. So pair of gloves, just comb through, comb up through the through the stems give it a shake it'll all fall out and you know we're seeing that with the pine trees right now with the big wind all of a sudden there's a million needles on the ground yes okay all right thank you so much i thought i thought i'd be digging away oh my gosh okay thank you so much <laughs> okay bye now yeah great bye. question yeah thanks for calling there zoe okay uh we are going to jump into our first break but we'll be right back with much more on the garden show daffodils and daisies bluebells and begonias forsythia and foxgloves marigolds magnolia lavender and lupins dahlias delphiniums stalks flocks hollyhocks tulips and sweet williams you've picked the right place for everything floral this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio Hey there. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show. Before we go to our next caller, I do want to give the numbers out again. If you live in Toronto, uh, the number to call is 416-360-0740. But if you live anywhere outside Toronto, within the province of Ontario, this is a toll-free number that you should use, one 740 Okay, and let's go to our next caller. We've got Rick on the line, and Rick, I see, is a first-time caller. Welcome to The Garden Show, Rick. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm just going to give you your garden wings, okay, sir? There we go. <laughs> we well, get very excited about our first-time callers. Yeah, wonderful. So here's my problem. My wife and I planted a maple blaze tree in our front yard about 15 years ago, and it's, it's just a beautiful tree. And earlier uh, this season, probably in June, I noticed that the bark is splitting. And it, it cracks and then splits. So the, it's, I guess the split may be two inches, maybe even more. And we called an arborist who came to have a look. At first he thought it, it could be lightning, which uh, I, I didn't think that was the case. Then he thought maybe the splitting in the bark was because of not enough rain. And then he thought it might be because the uh, sun uh, shines on it, but it's the north side of the tree that's splitting. Right, right. And um, I live in Toronto, and going for walks a few streets over, there was another maple blaze, same problem. And this summer when I was in Stainer, Ontario, I saw a tree that was even worse than mine, another maple blaze. How can you tell their blaze? blaze? Well, autumn blaze is actually what it's called. How autumn can you blaze? tell what kind of maple they are when you're looking at them in the summer? How can you know what kind of maple? Well, when we purchased it, we were told it was uh, yeah. 
a maple. No, I understand. No, I understand the when you purchase, but when you're walking around like Stainer, for example, and oh, you see I, a, oh, you know a maple the, green uh, leaf, the, the, the are tree you... has a certain shape to it. Oh, okay. okay. And it it, it's great, like, like great, great tree. tree. It's a cross right. between a silver maple and a red maple. And um, so you're right, it does have distinctive leaves. Maples tend to have very thin bark. Um, and that's why we call that. There is an injury that happens, but it would have happened years ago. You've had it for 15 years in the same place. Southwest side of the tree, we will sometimes have splitting in the bark on the southwest side because of winter sunshine beating on the, the bark of the tree uh, in February, early March, everything warms up, but then of course sun goes down, everything cools off and we get the split because we get the, the mass of the quick freeze of a liquid that has become um, thawed with the sun on it. So that, that would have been an issue years ago. And here you are 15 years later, you're having an issue on the north side. So I'm just doing a quick search here um, is that tree more susceptible to bark splitting than others? Because maybe it is. I don't know. So I, I thought maybe you'd uh, had other callers that might have mentioned this to you in your in your travels. You'd heard about it. Now they mm. they did suggest uh, wrapping it in burlap for the winter. Mm. Yep. Well, bur- yes. Does that sound uh, like a good idea? Well, burlap will help with that sun that isn't actually causing your problem. What does it look like right now? When you look at that split, where where you said there's like a two inch gap, is it healed? Is the bark healed you know, it, and it's it's dry? Heal itself. In... It is trying to heal itself. And oh, by the mm. way, we, we did um, have um, uh, fertilizer injected into the ground. The arborist okay. thought that might uh, strengthen the tree. But it is trying to uh, repair itself because uh, yes. at the edge of the split, it's like about an inch thick. It's mm-hmm. just that uh, when you look at the tree, even up higher, you can see that in previous years it split very, very little to the point where you could hardly see it. But mm-hmm. this year it was um, unmistakable. And uh, like right now I'm looking at the tree as I'm talking to you, and the color is just glorious. Yeah, yeah no question. Tree. You know what? Like uh, well, okay, so the arborist is correct in the sense that a healthy tree, a well-looked-after tree, a tree and you know, everything going for it, the right water, the right nutrient, the right space to grow and achieve its glory, will withstand environmental stresses better than right. a tree that has not been well-looked-after. So the fact that you're loving this tree and caring for it and, and, you know, keeping on top of it, the deep root feeding is a good idea. Do recognize that if we get a drought, you know, a drought is four weeks of no rain or very little rain, it's time to do some deep watering with trees like that. Of course, now we're into the middle of October. We're not as concerned, assuming you've had... I mean, Toronto had lo- had quite sufficient rain this summer, as far as I know, uh, but this, the fall has been a bit dry. Did you get some rain in the last day or two? Um, a little bit we did, yeah. Yeah, we did a bit. Yeah. But I, okay. I'm just concerned going forward, if this splitting continues on into next year, you know, it, the worry is, could we lose this tree? And is there any uh, curative things that I could do? No, I mean, um, not really. But the idea of of, of uh, burlap is a good idea because the burlap will do a certain amount of protection from extreme weather. So wet, ice, cold, 
wind, but do not leave that burlap in place when spring arrives because that just becomes a little hotel for mice and insects to live underneath. And then, of course, they will cause all kinds of problems by uh, starting to bore into the tree. You don't want that. The main thing with a a split trunk, because they happen all the time. So, you know, we see apple trees that are 150 years old. They're so cracked. Their entire, the whole tree is hollow in the center, and yet it's still got, you know, branches and fruit on it. So trees can withstand absolute crazy conditions. So as long as you're doing the TLC I referred to, make sure that split is kept dry. Don't let okay. it be wet or sit wet or get infested with any any insects or, or mildews. That sort of thing can be, a, can be a concern. But as long as it's dry and healing, don't be overly concerned. Just keep looking after the tree as you are. So when I wrap it, the tree, my concern is that if the uh, burlap gets wet in the winter, it'll just stay wet on the tree all winter. What if I, I put um, like a green garbage bag on the first layer and then burlap on the outside? Yeah, don't. Plastic is never a good idea around plants. They need okay. to breathe. They, you know, they need that circulation of oxygen and carbon dioxide in order. To, and remember, the plant is virtually dormant. So if it does get wet and it does freeze, it just sits there frozen. Um, okay. The other thing is don't wrap it at all. Just let it be. Just let it. Like I use a white spirals on my trees, the white plastic spiral wrap on the trunks. They're okay. young trees and that protects them from the southwest. In your case, it's a pretty big trunk and it's not the southwest that's your issue so it's not the white you need so much it's more just um yeah keeping it clean keeping it dry and keeping it protected from any kind of invaders okay all right okay, okay well thank thanks you very much for okay, your advice yeah. yeah it's a don't worry it'll be fine yeah. just keep okay. looking after it <laughs> nice. okay we're gonna go to our next caller now we've got uh, diana on the line from dorchester welcome to the garden show diana Hi, hi, Charlie, and uh, um, oh, gee, I, I had a, Dean. a, a <laughs> scenery <good>. moment. <laughs> sorry, call I'm that sometimers. Yes. And anyway, um, yeah, my husband just came in because we both uh, avidly listened to your program. We've got fifteen maple trees on our uh, small property in Dorchester. People think we're insane, but we love <laughs> trees, and we've had. We do have the autumn blaze, and we've had at least four of those who have uh, split what the way the man is saying, and we do have an arborist that uh, keeps them trimmed because we do value our trees. And yeah. uh, uh, in one case, he had, where it was really splitting, he had taken a rope and tied mm. it ever so gently, and then we released it in the spring, and that seemed to help it. But I'll tell you, nature looks after itself. That's, yeah, that's what we're fighting. But anyway, and sometimes if, if the splitting is because of a weak crotch, because maples are not that bright in terms of how they grow. They do need to be pruned. They'll never yeah. naturally have a terminal, so we need to make sure that there is a strong leader on our maples. There's often very weak branches because of the crotches are weakly formed. And yeah, cables, braces, all kinds of things come into play to keep our, yeah. our maples happy. Yes. But my question today is geraniums, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I like using the geraniums for color because in my front mm-hmm. flower bed it's a lot of blue or like my hostas, and they don't have a lot of color really, mm-hmm. and uh, so I put them there. But I also use them for the blackberry bushes that my husband has, and it seems to keep those uh, um, beetles away, you know, those green things. And mm-hmm. uh, But I want to... I, when I had begonias years ago, I brought them all into the house, and I mm-hmm. saved them, and they were good for the summer. I've never done it with geraniums. Is this something that you can do with geraniums? Uh, not quite the same as begonias, because, of course, begonias are growing from a tuber, 
and geraniums are actually a perennial plant. It's just that here in Ontario, they die in the frost. So we consider them annuals because of the frost killing them. But you can keep a geranium alive for years and years and years if you can keep them frost free. Back in the old days, when people had a basement that was an earthen floor, uh, dark, cool, um, they would pull up their geraniums, shake the soil off of their roots, take them down to the basement, and then hang them upside down just from the rafters in in that dark, cool, fairly high humidity, uh, not not super wet, but you know, fairly hum- humid basement. And they would go into semi-dormancy for the winter, Come spring, they would take cuttings because little little sprouts would start to grow and they'd start all new geraniums. Not many of us have basements like that anymore. So what I have done when I want to keep geraniums is I just bring them in and treat them as a houseplant. So sunny window uh, in the pots, obviously, clean them up, bring them in. You know, you don't, yeah, leave flowers, just clean them up, make sure they look nice and fresh. No, no insects, sunny window and water as necessary through the winter. Start to fertilize in the spring. And again, you can start five or 10 or more little geraniums from one mother geranium. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, because I, I just, you know, to me, they're alive, and I hate it when mm-hmm. I have, I've been pulling yeah. them up and just throwing them in the heap, you know. And I hear thing, you. And the grass uh, seed, uh, I hope the rest of your viewers are listening, or your listeners are listening. Um, they, uh, We did do the grass seed like you suggested a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago, and we're getting mm-hmm. grass. No, yes. good. Good, good. And where yeah, we couldn't got... get it to grow before. Same. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, same. Bye. Same thing. Thanks so much for yep. calling. Yeah, I put down okay, seed yep. and Bye-bye. I put clover seed as well. And the clover, boy, did that germinate fast. But yep, it's it's coming up. The fall has been quite, quite, um, quite good actually. Good indeed. Good okay, uh, the numbers to call us four one six three six zero zero seven forty or one eight six six. 740-4740. We are going to Pickering now, Charlie. We have mm. Bill on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Bill. Good morning. I have, What's on uh, your mind there, Bill? What's going on? I've got a con- conflicting reports on putting down grass seed at this time of year. Mm-hmm. And uh, some are saying, no, no, it's too late. And others are saying, here, go ahead. <clears throat> All right. We actually, this came up last week too. You can put grass seed down now, knowing full well that the chances of it germinating now are quite low. Though the soil is still warm, the air temperatures are starting to drop. So, of course, the soil temperatures are starting to drop. Uh, we are not getting a ton of rain, but, you know, obviously moisture is an important part of growing grass seed. We're actually in a funny kind of an in-between point here where you don't, it's it's kind of late for it to start growing now because it'll be such tiny little seedlings by the time it gets cold, they may not survive. So if you want to plant grass seed, I'd wait another week or so and then put down all the grass seed you want and know in your heart of hearts that it'll grow next spring where you've planted it this fall. Should, uh, how much do, uh, soil over top of them, Charlie? I always um, top dress the start. The, the I'm assuming you're putting grass seed down where it's just a really thin lawn. You've already got an existing lawn, yes? That's correct. Right. So top dress with at least uh, half an inch of good quality topsoil. Do that first. Rake it level. 
scatter the seed like you're broadcasting seed, feeding the chickens. Do it when it's not windy so you can really sort of put the seed where you want it and it won't blow into the gardens. And then mm-hmm. with your fan rake, just give it just one sort of swipe across and that will put the seed, make sure the seed is in good soil contact. And also much of the seed will be slightly buried in that process, just a little bit. It'll, it doesn't need to be buried. The only reason we bury it is to try and protect it from the birds. So, um, cause they'll eat it. So it's just one of those things, but the soil will make a, quite a bit of difference as well. So s- soil and seed go at the same time, a, a nice light raking with a fan rake and let it be, and it'll be perfect next spring. Thank you so much. You're very okay, welcome. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Bill. I asked you the same question, Charlie, last week as well. We were asking about grass seed, yeah. whether whether it's better to wait, because I think what we had done is my wife had put some down during the season, and mm-hmm. then she had some left over. And so we took your advice, and about a week or so ago, she just put all the rest of it on the lawn. Mm-hmm. And we have seen some growth, but I mm-hmm. think a, a, a stronger amount of growth, because it's already been down for nine or ten days. That's right. It does. It's about a seven to 10 day germination period. So, you know, if you've got water, you know, rain or the ability to irrigate, you can get that grass seed growing uh, by, you know, having providing those conditions where I live, I can't irrigate grass seed. So I have to just mm-hmm. rely on rain. But uh, yeah, I put seed down, gosh, a couple of weeks ago now, two and a half, three weeks ago now. Yep. So, and we did, we've had a little bit of rain this weekend, first time in a long time. Uh, very exciting. Nice to see a, a little bit of moisture uh, uh, in the air. And um, yeah, it's only a slope. If you're on a really steep slope, I would not put, put seed down in the fall because you have a low likelihood of that seed still being there in the spring. Okay, okay, okay. So it's time for us to hit the pause button and just uh, we're going to listen to some important and appreciated messages. We will be right back for much more on The Garden Show. Okay, yes, we're back here on The Garden Show. We're going to go right to our next caller. We're going to Aurelia now. We have Ron on the line. And Ron, welcome to The Garden Show. You are a first-time caller, is that right? Yes. That's right. Okay. <laughs> there we are. Uh, welcome. Garden wings for you. Welcome to the show. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What do you what question you. what's your question for Charlie there, Ron? Okay, my question is we have some flower boxes on our deck that uh, are probably 6 inches high or maybe 8 inches high. And in the, in the spring, we put the ordinary soil in the bottom, and then we put potting soil on the top to plant our flowers. Mm-hmm. Now, then in the fall, we do have to empty that soil and that potting soil out. But I read on the mm-hmm. Internet that said that you can't reuse that earth and potting soil for next year, and also mm-hmm. that you should not spread that all over your lawn. So what are we supposed to do with this earth that we oh. take out of our flower boxes? Okay, so why did it say you shouldn't spread it all over your lawn? There was no Did reason it why. It just said, it just said in, the, in the internet, don't do that. Okay. All right. So this is the crazy thing about the internet. You just never know what you're reading and who wrote it. Number one, if the soil in your potting boxes, your flower boxes, was fertile and sufficient to grow flowers or whatever you had, you know, herbs, vegetables in those flower boxes, then there's no question you can definitely put that soil out on your lawn. Not a problem. Maybe the internet was referring to there might be some little seeds might have dropped from some of your flowers and that might come up in your lawn. Hard to say. But you, but just as well, you can reuse soil in a box or a pot from year to year, as long as the neighborhood cats aren't using those pots or boxes as their local litter boxes all uh, winter. So just to be aware of, you 
So yes, you can reuse or you can put out on the lawn or you can add to your existing flower beds and start fresh again next year. Couple of things though, make sure those flower boxes have drainage holes. Uh, the ones you bought that you're working with, that there's drainage, very important. You commented you put regular soil on the bottom and potting soil on top. When a, when it's only six to eight inches deep, I would only put potting soil into those boxes. No no topsoil or garden soil should go into those boxes. They're too shallow. Uh, and the drainage is very poor on the garden soils and topsoils, whereas potting soil is designed for perfect drainage. Okay. So, but when you uh, to use it the next year, would it not mm -hmm. have lost all its nutrients? Like... Uh, guess what? When you bought that potting soil, it has no nutrients. That's one oh. of the things about potting soil. It's it's actually not even a soil. It's potting mix that we typically are buying these days, and it is a mixture. It'll be there'll be some bark, there'll be some peat moss, there'll be perlite, vermiculite, uh, all kinds of things come together to make a really beautiful media for the plants to grow. But it is virtually nutrient. Um, free. It is inert. There's no fertility in your potting mixes. If you look closely at the label, it'll talk about a nutrient charge and it'll have a 0 0.01, 0 0.02, 0 0.01 fertilizer um, added, but that is strictly to start your plants. That's good for about two weeks. And after that, you have to get in some regular fertilizing, which is every two to four weeks with a water-soluble fertilizer throughout the growing season. So next spring, if you were to reuse it, you'll just clean out the roots, the, the debris from this year's growth. You'll add some fresh potting soil because it will have dropped over the, the spring and summer and winter. And uh, pop in your new plants and begin your fertilizing it. Regular, either a slow release, which is good for three months, or a regular every three weeks with a water-soluble fertilizer. Okay, that's good. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Thanks, Thanks for calling. Yeah. Thanks for the call, and feel free to throw that potting mix on your lawn. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, well, it sounded odd to me that they would say not to do that because I certainly do that. If I have a pot that yeah. I would just, I'll just throw it somewhere on the property. Exactly. Uh, never imagined that it would be doing any harm, but. Uh, no, and if the odd thing comes up, like, you know, seed comes up, that just can, you know, just adds to some of the other seeds that are coming up. Yeah, sure. lions and everything else. But um, just a quick aside as well. Mm -hmm. For people, um, sometimes like that was a long call with a lot of, or long answer with a lot of information. Mm -hmm. Remember, if I speak too fast or say too much, you can always re-listen to the show. So mm -hmm. this show is podcast. It won't be available to be listened to till probably Wednesday next week, Tuesday or Wednesday next week. But once it's up at am740.ca podcasts, The Garden Show, once the show has been put up onto our, our website under podcasts, then it's there forever and ever and ever. So you can always say, hmm, what did she say about such and such? You can always go back and listen. Great. Okay, we have another first-time caller on the line. Uh, we are going to Rockwood. We have Jean on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Jean. Thank you, Dean. And hi, Char and I'm Charlie. Gonna, yeah, I'm going to give you your garden wings. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, a gar it's a garden wing show today. It yeah. sure is. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. My question's about a hydrangea. About, mm -hmm. I have uh, several of them and mm -hmm. in the back, and they've grown quite tall, but once the flowers came on, they were huge and covered, oh. and 
the whole stem, they all were are on the ground, just bent right over. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So Can I wonder, is it perhaps stem? a lime light that you have? Do you know what kind of hydrangea it is? No, it's the cone shape. I yeah. don't know. And, uh, well, we've only really been big, here like three years. Mm-hmm. They were here when we came. Okay. Well, there's one called Lime Light. That is the the um, cultivar name. And the flowers are this year, gosh, easy a foot a foot tall. And like you said, cone shaped. They started white. They've now turned pink. And yes, yeah. indeed, with the rain we had through the the summer, and then these massive blooms, they are top heavy and they have flopped down. Uh, I have the exact same issue going out at my house. So what I'm going to do next spring, because I always cut my these are. So there's two kind of kinds of hydrangea that we grow in our gardens. One is the mop head. So it's the hydrangeas with the round flowers. And the other is the paniculata, which is what you and I have, which is the cone-shaped flowers. And they need to be in full sun. So full sun helps Mm -hmm. uh, for the growth and the strength of the plant. And I cut them down. They're they're quite high. um, Grew up, yeah. Yeah. You're going to cut them down next spring. Uh, how high, how tall are they right now, roughly? How tall were they, Claire? Six feet? Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to cut them down by half next spring. Just leave them alone for now. Uh-huh. You know, bring some of those flowers in if you want. Cut them I, off. I have, but that, yeah. they're past they, that they now. They've got, you know... Okay, because they dry beautifully. They're very yes. beautiful. They, you know, they, there's no work required. They, you can make quite gorgeous displays yes. with the, those flowers. So, yes. um, yeah, just leave them alone. Next spring, once the weather is getting nice and its soil is not too wet to be out walking around on it, sharp pruners, dry day. You're going to cut them down to three feet tall, and uh, keep an eye on them. Um, you, you may have to uh, stake them if we get that big crazy growth generally this plant wants to be about eight feet tall and eight feet wide so give it that space to do that make sure it is getting lots and lots of sun and you'll have less chance of flopping oh okay because i wondered if there was something you could give them to make the stems uh stronger nope no, nope. just uh, uh, don't don't fertilize them. <laughs> to keep no. the fertilizer away because that will keep them shorter. Uh, water as necessary, but like I said, it's air and sun that's going to make all the difference and cutting them down by half in the spring. Okay, yes, I, sweet I, call. I, Thank you very much, Gene. Yeah. Don't be a stranger. Uh, we have to take another break. We'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. This is Zoomer Radio Toronto. CFZM FM and CFZM AM. Owned and operated by MZ Media Incorporated. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. We are back here on The Garden Show. We've got a bunch of callers on the line. We'll do our best. We're going to another first-time caller. We have Cassie on the line calling from Buffalo. Welcome, Cassie. Oh, thank you. Morning. Yes, hello. Good morning. And there are your garden wings. All right. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I want to say hello to Steve O'Connor in West Seneca because he wants to call. My question is some of the seed packets that we buy uh, – if they're flowers, I feel like they're not GMO, but um, do all seed packets for vegetables have to say that they're GMO if they are? 
They aren't. I can tell you right now, there are no GMO vegetables out there. You know why? It's way too expensive to produce genetically modified organisms when it comes to carrots and beans and tomatoes. Nobody is putting that kind of money into that kind of a production. The one horticultural crop that is GMO is a, is one cultivar of an apple. And it was actually designed out in British Columbia. And what makes it so cool is that this is an apple that you can slice. And when you slice it, it and it sits out sliced, it doesn't, the flesh doesn't turn brown. So it was genetically modified to stay white, even when it's exposed to air. That is the, there's lots of GMO crops when it comes to real crops like corn and soybeans. And these are crops where the thousands and thousands and thousands of acres are grown every year of crops. But horticultural stuff, no, no, not so much. No, no GMO there. Some people just don't want to buy GMO uh, products. What about oh, of you? Course. You don't Sorry. buy such a thing? You don't do it? No, I, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, I recognize that. If something is GMO, I am pretty sure it has to say it on the package. But like I said, the, 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 the cultivars that are available of, say, tomatoes, these have been selected over hundreds of years. They have not been genetically modified. They've been grown. They've been crossed. They've been selected, like people selected the, the biggest or the tastiest or the most fragrant. So that's how we've come up with the, the seeds that we grow in our gardens and the, the plants, that, the ornamental plants and the horticultural plants that we grow. Genetic modification has not been part. There's been no sort of, um, you know, Dr. Jekyll going in the background when it comes to any of our fruits and vegetables other than that one apple. I have seed packets that said 2023 on them. Can I still use them next year? Should I put them in the freezer till then or in the refrigerator till then? No, no. But yes, I would, depending on what they are, some seeds uh, will hold better over the, the year, over the winter. Don't freeze them or cool them. Just a dark dry place um cool is nice i mean you could go refrigerator if you want don't go freezer whatever you do keep them uh just room temperature or slightly below but dry and dark is important when it comes to saving seeds all right okay, thanks cassie, cassie. Got, yeah as you got to run please don't be a stranger gonna go to a city that i was in last weekend we're gonna go to chatham we got jane on the line welcome jane morning hey, yeah hey there what do you got for charlie good morning i'm coming Morning. Oh, <laughs> she's running to the phone. What do you uh, What do you got there for for uh, Charlie there, Jane? Roses. Mm. I have two small bushes out front, and I'm just wondering what I do with them now. What kind of roses are they? Do you know? They're the kind that have flowers all over all summer. Small <laughs> Perfect. Flowers. And did you plant them? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm just wanting flowers all summer. So could be a shrub rose. Were they like knockout roses or something like that? Never I've never heard that. I don't know. Okay, like, the, one quick question because we're going to run out of time. Do you know, are these roses growing on their own roots or are they grafted roses? I don't know. I think they're on so, their own roots. My son brought them down to me in a plant pot and I put them in. Okay, so if they're on their own root, which is quite likely 
or not, it's sort of 50-50 either way. <clears throat> you could get down and look. If they're uh, grafted, they'll have a big bulbous, swollen bit on the stem that's either just at ground level or perhaps just below ground level, depending on how you planted them. But if they're on their own roots, don't do anything. Just love them. Enjoy them. Uh, they'll keep flowering. And as long as you've got the balmy weather that you always seem to have in Chatham, then uh, they'll just keep blooming and blooming all. And eventually frost will shut them down and the leaves will drop. And, you know, the little flowers that are still there or the buds leave the hips, right? The little fruits that uh, form for the winter because the birds will enjoy the seeds that form after the flowers uh, and leave those alone. Next spring, once it gets you know warm and sunny and the birds are singing, we get out there and we cut our roses right back. But I wouldn't do anything fancy for the winter. If you suspect they're growing, that they were grafted, the only difference is that I would pile once you've had a really hard frost and the roses are truly dormant, I'd pile four to six inches of just go to the store and get some black earth or topsoil, a couple of bags, a bag per rose and just pour that soil over the crown of the plant once it's dormant. So that's going to be probably a month from now. It's not, it's not yet. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thanks Thank for the call, much. Jane. We yeah. are, my goodness, we're at the end of the line. We have, we that's are. crazy. Just a <laughs> fast, 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 fast show. show. Yeah. And great questions. Yes. Indeed. Great questions as, as always. And what are you up to this week? What do you got to do in your garden? Well, as I mentioned, I'm off to Ennismore this afternoon. Right. Um, my garden, I got more bulbs to plant. I've got all kinds of things to do. I just, I have a list. I have a really long list. And you have a list <laughs> for Elliot too. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he always goes, oh, that's above my pay grade. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> like he can't even whippersnap, right? It's like, you know, getting out the whippersnap. He goes, oh no, I don't have a license for that. It's like, you know, we got to get you trained up on a few things, my friend. Yeah. So, oh, <laughs> Yeah, he's the mower. No question. He does the mowing. So yeah, listen, we've got thank- some, yeah, and we've got some garlic to plant this week. That's what's Good. on our- Me yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. So thanks, everybody. Big birthday greetings to Ashi. Have fun at Niagara Falls. You uh, you drive carefully home from Guelph, uh, Dean, and I will okay. see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.